Hello, this is the fourth podcast in the Capstick's public procurement how-to series. These podcasts are for procurement teams in contracting authorities to provide practical tips to help procurement professionals manage procurement processes and mitigate potential procurement risks. My name is Mary Mundy and I am joined by Katrina Day. Katrina and I specialise in procurement and we have a lot of experience advising contracting authorities on procurement processes how to comply with the Public Contracts Regulations 2015 or PCR, how to mitigate risk and what to do if you get a procurement challenge. We work closely with our procurement litigation colleagues as well. The purpose of this podcast is to run through our top tips in relation to evaluation and moderation, most importantly when it comes to documenting this vital part of the procurement process. The evaluation stage in any procurement process is without doubt the most important stage to both the contracting authority and bidders. It is also the most visible stage to the bidders because for above threshold procurements, contracting authorities have to provide the scores, the reasons for the decision and the characteristics and relative advantages of the successful tender in a decision notice, often known as standstill letters. We will cover standstill letters in a different podcast. Katrina, can you remind us of the key procurement principles and how they relate to evaluation? Thanks, Mary. Well, as you know, when running any procurement process, the contracting authority has to comply with the principles of transparency, equal treatment, non-discrimination and proportionality. In the context of evaluation, this means a number of things. Firstly, the contracting authority must follow the evaluation process and the scoring methodology that has been set out in the procurement documents. They must also ensure that the same evaluators score the same questions so that the questions are scored in the same way for all bidders. They should ensure that all evaluators and indeed everybody who's involved in the procurement are free from conflicts of interest. They should ensure that the scores are documented and justified by the evaluators. And finally, they need to ensure that the moderation stage is clearly documented and that the contracting authority has a clear record as to all evaluation and final score decisions made. Thanks, Katrina. What should contracting authorities think about when selecting their evaluators? Well, the evaluators need to have relevant expertise in the context of the contract that's being procured. I think it's likely that there will be different evaluators for different questions, depending on their expertise. So, for example, questions about IT interface should be managed by the IT teams and questions about delivery by the operational team. It's important that the contracting authority has appropriate people scoring so that it can have confidence in its own evaluation decisions. And from a bidder's perspective, it's only fair that having gone through the time and effort to submit a response, that someone with the right expertise can score it. Thanks, Katrina. I think it's worthwhile stressing that whilst evaluators should have expertise in relation to the responses that they are scoring, they won't necessarily be public procurement experts. So this means that they probably won't have a deep understanding of the key principles that you mentioned earlier, Katrina, or an understanding of the case law on evaluation. 
In 2015, there was a significant case concerning evaluation called Woods and Milton Keynes Council. And in that case, the court was able to go through the scores awarded and amend those scores because of the way the evaluation criteria was worded. Prior to this case, the the court had always been reluctant to interfere with scores. One of the key learning points in this case was that evaluators need to have some training on the procurement principles, what their roles are, and that they need to document their evaluation clearly. It is important for contracting authorities to be able to demonstrate that their evaluators have had some training. They could do this by having some slides with a presentation and some guidance notes. If a contracting authority hasn't trained the evaluators, then this could expose that contracting authority in the event of a procurement challenge around evaluation. You often run training sessions for evaluators, don't you, Mary? Yes, that's right. We often run sessions for clients and their evaluators to talk them through the procurement principles and do's and don'ts in evaluation. So what are the key points that you think evaluators need to know when you're training them? Well, I think the key points are that they must be free from conflict in order to be an evaluator. So they need to make sure that they've completed a declaration of interest form. They must have read the procurement documents, including the specification and the questions that have been asked of the bidders and any clarification questions that bidders have asked during the process and how the contracting authority has responded to those clarification questions. They must only review and score the questions that have been referred to them. And they must also follow the process described in the procurement documents and score the responses in the way that the procurement documents described. I think that's a really key one, Mary. The evaluators need to be careful to score the responses based on the requirements in the documents and the scoring matrix in the documents. What evaluators shouldn't be doing is introducing new elements into the scoring. They can't determine what they would like to see in a response. It's got to have been requested in the question and covered in the scoring methodology. For example, they can't say, I think this response should get a higher score because it talks about carbon reduction. If carbon reduction was not part of the requirements set out in the procurement documents or in the scoring matrix, This is why I think it's a good idea to get the evaluators involved in the drafting of the requirements and the questions. This means if there are areas that are important to them, such as carbon reduction, these can be included in the procurement documents from the outset. Introducing them at the evaluation stage is simply too late. Thanks, Katrina. I think it's also worth stressing that the evaluators should also only score what is in the written response to the relevant question and they should not take into account any information that they know or have heard about a bidder. This can be hard where the contracting authority has worked with the bidder, for example where they are an incumbent supplier, but care needs to be taken to look at the question and the response and not be influenced by other information. Evaluators should not compare the bids when scoring. They must score against the requirements in the procurement documents. That's another thing that's really important to stress. This can be a tricky one too, as it's really easy to fall into the trap of saying this response is better than that one. Evaluators need to be asking themselves if the response meets the requirements of the question and not how it compares to another bidder's. 
Finally, evaluators should not make any assumptions when scoring. Again, this is something that can be really difficult in practice. But if something is not clear, then they need to be raising that with the person running the procurement process in case a clarification needs to be raised with the bidder. Kat, I think it's worthwhile doing a quick reminder as to the different stages where evaluation can take place. Well, at the selection stage, it's most likely that contracting authorities will be using the template selection questionnaire or SQ from Crown Commercial Service or the PAS 91 for a works procurement. Whilst the SQ does have the majority of the selection questions set out, it doesn't set out how the questions will be evaluated and scored. It's essential that the person drafting the procurement documents adds in that detail. The mandatory and discretionary grounds for exclusion in the SQ are usually scored on a pass-fail basis and case law says that the contracting authority has to be clear on what constitutes a pass and a fail. Yes, it's so important from a transparency perspective that the bidders know whether they will pass or fail a question. A common pitfall in SQs is a lack of detail around how financial standing will be evaluated, for example. The SQ has to set out any minimum requirements in terms of financial standing and how that information will be scored. Another key point to make is that selection criteria is backwards facing. It's looking at the bidder's previous experience. This means scoring methodology could be looking for the bidder to evidence that it has done a similar contract previously, for example. The wording of the scoring methodology needs to reflect the fact that the information is backwards facing. Katrina, what about at tender stage? Well, at tender stage, the questions and evaluation are forward focused, looking at how the bidder will deliver or perform the contract. The public contracts regulations refer, refer to the evaluation at tender stage as award criteria and the scoring methodology needs to reflect this. It must set out in the documents how the responses from the bidders will be scored. And that might not necessarily be a one size fits all approach. There could be different scoring methodologies depending on the questions being asked. And it's important that the people writing the tender documents test the scoring methodology and evaluation and award criteria to check that they work for the questions. People should avoid using template scoring methodologies and procurement documents without first checking that they're fit for purpose. Thanks, Katrina. I'm going to talk about the crucial part of documenting the scoring. But firstly, I'll just make it clear that the most common way to carry out evaluation and moderation is for individual evaluators to score the responses on their own independently. And then they come together in a moderation meeting with the other evaluators to come up with a consensus score. The procurement documents should set out the process that the contracting authority is going to follow. With this approach, in the initial evaluation stage, evaluators should score independently, which means that they're not liaising with anyone else, either in person or over email or text. The evaluator needs to record the score awarded and then record their justification for the score that they've awarded. This should follow the scoring methodology described and pick out parts of the response relevant to the question and explaining the score awarded in that context. It won't be enough. 
it won't be enough to just paraphrase the scoring methodology. So it's not enough to say good fully meets the requirements, for example. If any requirements have not been addressed in the response, then the evaluator needs to say that and record which ones are not addressed. And if the scoring methodology refers to added value or innovation, for example, then the justification by the evaluator will need to record what the added value or innovation was if they are awarding a score that requires added value or innovation. Once all individual scores and reasons have been recorded, they should be collated by the procurement team or person running the procurement and all evaluators should then attend moderation meetings to agree the final consensus scores. Do you encourage evaluators to take notes about their initial scoring, Mary? I think notes can be really helpful to aid discussion in the moderation meetings. I would suggest that if evaluators have made written notes, that they would scan them in and send them to the person running the procurement so that they can be saved on the file. It's really important that evaluators do not destroy any notes made. Katrina, can you talk us through the key points to note for the moderation meetings? Yes, of course. So I think uh, the key points for moderation meetings are, firstly, all evaluators need to attend the sessions for those questions that they evaluated. Secondly, moderation meetings should be chaired by someone independent. And by this, I mean someone who didn't score the relevant question that's being considered in that meeting. A good chair can be really valuable in bringing the team back to the questions and back to the scoring matrix and to help them reach consensus. It's also absolutely vital that the moderation process is clearly documented. This will be the key record that explains the scores awarded and it will be requested by a challenger if they feel the scoring has not been carried out in the way the procurement documents described. For this reason, I think it's a good idea to assign someone the specific role of taking notes in the moderation meetings. And again, an independent person can be helpful there. Finally, there must be a clear and detailed record explaining why each individual score and consensus score was reached. It is okay for someone to change their mind from their initial score, but what the record needs to show is this journey and ultimately justify the final score that's awarded. Thanks, Katrina. The moderation stage of the procurement process was really in the spotlight following the case of Lancashire Care, NHS Foundation Trust and Blackpool Teaching Hospitals against Lancashire County Council in 2018. In that case, the moderation stage was not adequately documented and it was difficult to understand the final scores that had been reached. In that case, the judge also stressed that it is not appropriate to just list the strengths and weaknesses of the response. The scoring methodology described in the procurement documents needs to be followed. A really helpful quote from that case is as follows. A procurement in which the contracting authority cannot explain why it awarded the scores which it did fails the most basic standard of transparency. This means that if a contracting authority hasn't got a clear record of why all scores were reached and the reasons for them, it won't be able to to satisfy its transparency obligation. 
I totally agree that having this clear record of why each score has been awarded is the most important point we need to stress today. I think it can be helpful to ask evaluators to sign off the final set of moderation notes to confirm that they are happy with them. The evaluation team really need to be confident that they can stand by their scoring. In a worst case scenario, if there was a challenge in the courts, they may need to go back to these notes and be able to explain why they awarded a particular score. And this could be many months later. So they need to be confident that they fully agree with the end score awarded and the reasons for this. Also, if there isn't a clear record of why all scores were reached and the reasons for the scores, then the contracting authority won't be able to write its standstill letters. These need to explain the reasons for the decision and the characteristics and relative advantages of the successful tender. So the notes are going to be absolutely vital to inform the content of those letters. Thanks, Katrina. Good point. This is why we said earlier that the evaluation is the most visible part of a procurement process. As we know, a procurement challenge can come at any point during a procurement process, but it is most common for one to be threatened or brought once the standstill letters have been issued. A bidder may challenge the outcome of the procurement process and may be entitled to the disclosure of documents concerning the procurement process. This may include individual evaluation notes and the moderation notes. All evaluators must therefore assume that any documents created could be disclosed. So I think we've covered all the points we wanted to make about evaluation. Select evaluators with expertise relevant to the question and give them training about how to score a procurement question. Remember the different purpose of the selection and tender stages and make sure your documentation makes it clear how you will score each stage and each question. And finally, moderation meetings are key and it's paramount that a clear record is kept of the final scores awarded and the reasons for them. Thanks, Katrina. So we hope you found that session useful. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Our contact details are on the Capsticks website and you'll also find other details of members of our Capsticks procurement team on our website as well. We'll also publish our handy recap document summarising the key points that we've discussed in today's podcast. Our next podcast will cover standstill letters, so please do look out for when we issue that one. Thank you very much for listening. (music) 